Buckle up, buttercups. This is Raw Subconscious Lens. Welcome back to Raw Nomadic Lens, which is now Raw Subconscious Lens, I do believe. Um, surprise! I'm your host, Sherry Michelle, and we now have a co-host, FX Renzel. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is a huge surprise, right? Um, I'm just going to jump right in. I always say, let's go. I don't like a little bunch of chit-chat at the beginning. I don't want to hear about things going on. I just want to jump in. Let's do it. Uh, what does the new name mean to you? If we go with raw subconscious lens, which rolls off my tongue from saying raw nomadic lens, and it's the same number of syllables. If we go with that name, what does that mean to you? What does that conjure up? That's a good question. Um, well, so raw means like pure or, and it's like, uh, yeah, like, you know, it's raw form. It's like pure, it's natural state. So Love there's it. that. Uh, the subconscious to me is anything that's not conscious. So it's past habitual thinking. It's past filters, which is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? So we've got this like pure form. We've got something that's like past the conscious. That's kind of like also pure. And then we have a lens. And the thing about lenses is they're filters. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I think it actually really makes a lot of sense because we strive to have this kind of like purity, right? To to kind of let go of assumptions, let go of, you know, filters and like really experience life fully and completely for what it is. Mm -hmm. And you get to a point where you realize we're in a state of duality, right? Mm -hmm. There's light, there's dark, there's colors, there's things that define things from other things. And you get to a point where you appreciate all of that. And I think that's the lens. You can't yeah. get away from the lens. You're always going to have filters you're looking through. But the yeah. more you can get in touch with the raw subconscious lens, the closer you're getting to the raw subconscious. I love that. That's such an excellent answer. And for me, like the nomadic part was like, this is me seeing the world through, you know, the eyes of a nomad who was raw vegan and, or always aspiring to be raw vegan. But um, I'm no longer nomadic and, uh, I am, I'm raw right now. I'm on a juice fast and actually this is day one. It's April 1st. And, uh, I didn't plan, yeah, these to happen at the same time, but that's very cool. Um, so raw subconscious lens, I agree. Like raw is no longer referring to raw vegan, even though, uh, you know, that's still totally a part of my life and fasting and juicing. Um, but I feel like this is more uh, like all encompassing and again, whatever is not conscious and there's just so much that is subconscious. You and I, the, every time we talk, we, you know, hit on more things that are like, this is subconscious. This is subconscious. Even like yesterday, I think it was when I said, um, Oh, I realize this person is calling hypnosis, which Francis and I both affects, we both have a, a background in hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And I've noticed that um, it still has a stigma, um, depending on who you talk to, but I've experienced it recently when I was in Hawaii and uh, that people using the word tools was like almost seeing it through another lens. And tools is so accessible and so, you know, user-friendly and harmless. A tool, gosh, who doesn't want a tool? <laughs> I want tools to make my life better. Everybody does, you know? And so that right there, that is a, a different lens. And I just, I love how this is going to um, touch on so many different subjects. So that's what it means to me. It's just like taking uh, my original idea and just blowing it up. And with someone who is very like-minded and has a similar background, but but not like, similar yeah, the two of us, it's a lot of different things. And okay, so then why join forces? Why are we joining forces? Because people are probably wondering. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, before I answer, the one thing I just wanted to share is like kind of coming back to the lens. Yeah. A lens is a tool. Yeah. And so what's interesting about the subconscious, this is kind of hard. So that's what's so fun about the the subconscious. It kind of transcends language. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's going to be a lot of fun collaborating because as we are noticing subconscious phenomenon, we, as we discuss it, right. Mm-hmm. We're giving words to things that are hard to pin down with words. And that's kind of what you're pointing to as far as like tools, as far as lenses. And that's, what's interesting is by looking at tools through the lens of tools, mm-hmm. take on a different, uh, like a uh, perspective, right. Um, and that's, what's so cool about metaphors. And I think that's, the land like that is just everything is a metaphor. There's a book I would definitely recommend. Mm, I can find it really quick. Metaphors we live by. Oh, nice! It's a really good book, and it shows how ever like ninety five percent of communication is metaphors because something's in relation to something. We're constantly like there's a sequence in the sentence that's a relationship that's a metaphor. You know. Mm. Um, but there's just, there's so much to it. And depending on what metaphors you choose. So I guess that's a big part of it too. Um, I guess, yeah, this kind of goes back to the collaboration. It comes back to empowerment mm-hmm. for me. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like, if all you have is a hammer, right? Everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. But if you're faced with different problems that a hammer is not good for, you're like, oh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right? And so through this exploration, you'll get more tools. You'll find more and more things that you can use. You'll get a screwdriver. You'll get a tape measure. You'll get all these different things just from listening because yeah. you're going to get metaphors. And so that'll give you that ability to overcome challenges and obstacles and empower yourself in ways that you didn't think you could previously because you weren't aware of the tool yet. That makes sense. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I'm so glad you brought up the metaphors because I just said to Gabe yesterday, um, so I'm an animal communicator and, um, I said, you can't do this work. And I was picturing the playground from my childhood, my school, um, little farm town. And I'm like, you can't do this work up in the safety and structure of the school, that brick building, you have to be on the playground to do this work. Meaning like you have to let your imagination flow or I can't communicate with animals telepathically if I'm like trying to be safe and structured and you know what I mean like fear doing it from a place of fear whereas if I'm out on the playground where you know we played I'm going to date myself but Charlie's Angels and Little House on the Prairie and made up all kinds of crazy stuff you know in our heads um you know made up games and stuff that's where that work has to take place I feel like that's where a lot of um hypnosis has to take place a lot of things with the subconscious have to take place there. You have to have that, that freedom and that flow um, that you're not going to get when you're trying to be safe and careful and um, um, what people want, you know, like meeting their expectations and all of that. So it was just um, when you said metaphors is like, oh man, I got to share this because uh, I can really relate and that's what's really interesting about metaphors is, uh, wow, you know, because like you can sit, the, the longer you sit with it, the deeper you go, right? Um, which is hypnosis in a way. Um, okay, so and just to kind of like create a caveat to tie some pieces together, I know that you mentioned um, that we both have a uh, history in hypnosis, we both have experience as hypnotists, mm-hmm. and that there's a stigma. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely agree. I found more it depends on the audience but a lot of people it's kind of like an unnecessary hurdle that i that i'm setting up for myself that i have to jump over yeah yeah like coach a person through and so that because it's like what is their perception of hypnosis what movie have they seen have they seen get out you know are they that that says back like 40 50 years and exactly and so that's what's so interesting is i found first it's less about uh, so there's kind of like what I was sharing the other day. Um, it's not that hypnosis is something a person is doing. It's that we're hypnotic beings. We're always in a state of trance. And that's what's so cool about metaphors is just by like thinking about a schoolyard with a playground, right? I don't have to tell you, I don't have to tell you anything. I don't have to, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to go inside. You don't have to like relax and like focus on your breath. You don't have to do any of that. Just by thinking about the schoolhouse, like you mentioned in the playground, a person's already transported there, either to the idea of it or to like a visual of it, but they get a sense of what that's like. And the longer that they sit with it, the more 
imagery that can pop up, the more kind of like what you're teasing out, like how the school's kind of related to what's right and what's wrong. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, it, teachers like having to feel like um, fulfill their expectations, their obligations, you know? Um, so there's like so much that you can read into either like the schoolhouse first, the playground. Um, things that came to mind when you were sharing with it is what's really cool is right. Like the, the, the school itself is where you kind of learn the foundation, you know, um, you learn the rules. It's where you get like an intellect, intelligence. But then when you go to the playground, that's where you apply what you're learning and that's where you get wisdom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everything is theoretical until you out in the real world, outside the school, into the playground and mess around, you know, and get dirty, mm -hmm. you know, make mm -hmm. mistakes and find out how it really works. And then you update your understanding, you update your experience. And what's cool is this is hypnotic, but is it hypnosis, right? And yeah. so who says it is, who says it isn't? I, I would say it is because I would say everything is hypnosis because we're hypnotic beings. Um, there was some, there was like a big point that I was trying to share there. I just thought it was interesting how there's so much there kind of even like with the playground, you fall down and you skin your knee. That means something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's still the safety of the playground. What's beyond the playground. Yeah. Right. And so that's, what's kind of cool is there's steps. Like you got the school where you're learning, you got the playground where you can try in a pretty safe environment and then you can go out in the real world and really get dirty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and all this is a metaphor. Yeah. And like, and what's cool is, I think the coolest part, and this is why I really like about the subconscious, is whomever's listening, wherever you are currently in your life, you're going to make connections to this yeah. and get that new, that next lesson that you didn't know you needed until you heard that. And you're like, wow, that's just like X. It's just like this. Yeah. And that's where you can grow easily and have fun with it as if you're in the playground. Yeah, totally. And someone else is getting a totally different lesson out of it that they needed yes. right now. Exactly. And yeah. That's it, just, just like, yeah, I absolutely love that. And go ahead. Oh, oh I was going to say, and coming back to the collaboration, I think that's what's so cool with having, instead of being like an echo chamber, as we're doing this. So in essence, we're going to be sharing different things that pop up for us, different lessons that are coming up. Like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I, you know, I haven't thought of it that way. And that's exactly what the audience is experiencing. Right. Like we're all making our own connections. And the more we share, the more we lift everyone up. Cause someone's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Thank you for sharing. That reminds me of this. And now they're expanding as they're sharing. So I think that's, I don't know. That's why I'm here. That's why I want to collaborate. You know what I mean? Cause not only are we collaborating, but the audience can collaborate. And I think it'd be really awesome to provide a space where we can all collaborate together. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we are uh, getting a new uh, Patreon up and running. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to um, do some things there and also uh, on Apple podcasts, because uh, we're on, I don't know, at least a dozen platforms, I believe, uh, different podcast platforms. Yeah. So if you want to go to Apple to give us feedback, um, you're more than welcome or request some things, um, request us to talk about some things or interview someone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's wide open. That's, I think, what I want people to know. This is wide open. We are going to talk about so many fun things. Um, when Francis and I talk, like, we could talk for days about all kinds of um, different topics. Um, but all of it is related to the subconscious, though, we've noticed. Like, just so much in life is. And, um, yeah, I think joining forces is just like, we have so much fun talking about all of these things. It's like, why not share it? Like, why not? Um, if, if we're getting so much out of it, then, you know, maybe a lot of people can get a lot out of it. So that's my hope. Um, Definitely. Tell me what you're all about. Me? Tell everybody what you're all about. Yeah. I mean, I have a vague idea because you're just fun to talk to, but, um, and we've known each other for quite a few years now, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But we've never gotten to talk like we have lately, which is funny because it's sure. like, why did I reach out to you when I thought, who would I like to co-host with? You were the only person that came to mind. And it's not like we see each other all the time or talk to each other all the time, but it was just like, that was right. It was right there. It's like, well, who would be fun to co-host with? Definitely you. Um, my niece, you know, would be fun too, but she's tough to reach and she's just busy, busy, busy being a nanny. So sure. we might pop in from time to time, but she's into yeah. astrology and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, tell everybody like, what are you about? 
That's a good question. I mean, I guess just to kind of piggyback off what you're sharing, um, what's interesting is I had been meaning to reach out. So now my question is like, it's a chicken in the egg kind of thing. Was that yeah. me sensing you were wanting to reach out to right. me? Right. Or was that me wanting to reach out and then you felt that or where, you know what I mean? You said you wanted Something to do a podcast that day, right? Right. And that was the other interesting thing is I was literally, I've been wanting to do a podcast like this, just like to explore, <laughs> right? Not yeah. like um, a place where we can show people like our journey, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Building the podcast instead of like having this like super, you know, refined, like stiff, fake professional kind of mm -hmm. like thing. Just yeah. something that's more real and authentic. And so it's just interesting that, yeah, I was joking with my friend that had been resistant. He's got, I'm, you know what I mean? I was just joking around. I know he's got an idea for how he wants to do things, but right. Like what are the, what are the chances? Yeah. And that's, what's so cool is when you're aligned, when you're tapped into your subconscious, I believe it's a lot like winning the lottery or it feels like it, right? Like yeah. things just like converge in such a way that you're like, wow, I couldn't have planned this any better. This like yeah. just happened so perfectly. That's honestly what I'm about is making more of those moments and inspiring people to get out of their filters long enough to make mm -hmm. more of those moments for themselves mm -hmm. and to know that they can make, make these moments for themselves. You yeah. know, I guess to like, not for, for lack of a better word to normalize this, you know, uh, to bring it more into the mainstream. Oh, absolutely. Not even, not even the mainstream, just to like, right, just to get it out there. Yeah. Like, for sure. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty much sums it up. I, I, at the root, I'm all about peak performance, tapping into our, like our potential, bringing more and more of that out. But over the years, whereas before I was very like hard on myself about doing this, Mm -hmm. I realize how important playfully doing this is. Yes. You do it that way, you get so much more out of it and you enjoy it the entire time, which makes you want to do it more, which yeah. makes it easier to get more. And then before you know it, you're like, wow, look at all this that came out of me, like all this that I produced, all this creative, you know, like look at what we created, look what came out of this conversation, whatever it is you're into. Um, it's you're just really good at reminding me of that too, to just keep it, keep it fun. Yeah, I mentioned yeah. to you, Stephen Levitt. I used to drive him years ago, um, who wrote Freakonomics. And when I was a chauffeur, I drove him on a regular basis for quite a while. And I overheard him say one day to his business partner, let's just do the fun stuff. Yeah. And my, I always come back to that when things start to get kind of uh, um, too technical or just, mm -mm, I don't know, messy. And you are also very good at reminding me, just let's just have fun with it. Definitely. Yeah. And what's really cool, oh my God. I, that's what I love about every moment is kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack to affirmations in just a second, but mm -hmm. every moment is a kind of chance to diagnose, to, to, to just get a handle on the moment, the present moment, you know, almost a reminder to be present. And so those times when we're feeling kind of some resistance or like, there's like something, I think a great question is how can we make this fun or what would it be like if this was fun? Yes. You start, you're already playing now. You're already thinking and brainstorming like how? You know, and even if you don't do that thing and it's something you let go because it's not fun, by brainstorming and seeing how you can make it playful, you might get to a place where like, oh man, I could do this. And then it becomes so much easier. You have fun with it and it keeps the momentum going, you know? Um, yeah. No burnout and stuff. Yeah. And you're tapped into, like you were saying, you're tapped into the playground. You're tapped into your subconscious. And that's what makes it flow so easy. Instead of like you were saying, like trying to be right. Like to, yeah. trying to do it the way you're supposed to do it or people said it has to be. You find your way that works best for you and you're, you're playing with your subconscious, you know, and you're cultivating that spirit. It's kind of like a skill. You get better and better at it and everything in life just flows so much better um, with less stress, more fun. Who would, who could ask for more? Right. Yeah. You know, I always had a problem with that. Uh, you know, I have ADHD big time. I'll get to that later. It's just a label. It's just a label of our time. I really just think it's, it's just, um, you know, who, uh, Anyway, I think I was told a lot as a kid, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And so that's, you know, that's something that I have in the back of my head. And I'm just now in my fifties getting to the point where it's like, mm, I don't think so. I'm just going to do it my way. Like I would say as a kid, like, well, I want to do it my way. Um, depending on who was telling me I was doing it wrong with my dad, I felt comfortable enough saying like, mm, I want to do it my way, you know, but a teacher 
you're not going to say that to a teacher when you're a kid or to a parent who is not um, so accepting, who's very critical. You're just going to try to please them, right? That disease to please. So it's taking me a long time to overcome that disease to please and just be like, no, I think I want to do it my way. It's more fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, definitely. There are others that relate to that. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I just feel like that's one of the universal experiences of being human is, uh, you know, and, and it's not a bad thing uh, in the sense that everyone's doing the best they can moment to moment. You, me, everyone, you know, kind of going back to the tools. A lot of people, all they have is a hammer. Yeah. So they only know yeah. how to handle the situation in one way. And what if that whole, what if you only have a hammer thing? What if we're supposed to, to be having fun here? Like, right. what is that? What if that's the main objective is like, you still found a way to have fun, you know, despite all of the challenges, you know, what if life is not supposed to be hard? We talked about that a oh, little bit. Sure. Right. And I, and that's, that's exactly kind of going, coming back as uh, we, you know, first we're like, for lack, so this is metaphorical. There's the mm -hmm. idea of chaos. There's the idea of order. Uh, chaos is like pure potential order is like what's been stabilized, you know, created. And at first, we're just pure chaos. We're an empty slate, you know? And we need some programming. We need to know about, like, morality and how to get along with each other and, like, you know, mm -hmm. what the rules of the game are, so to speak. Right. Um, it's just that's part of the journey. And some a lot of people, depending on their upbringing, if you, you experience a person with a hammer, they hammer you in. <laughs> and unless you're exposed to a conversation like this or different tools, you don't know that you can get a crowbar and break out you know what i mean and mm -hmm. like then see what does that mean like so i've got this hammer i've got this crowbar now what can i do and that allows you to do different stuff um and the thing is like when we don't know something we automatically defer to people that seem to know like they know something mm -hmm. and so the more we explore people that show that they know something the more we see who really knows something and now at the end, the internet, we can see like people, we really gravitate that know something. And mm -hmm. then that's, what's kind of cool. Um, so we're really in a lucky age to, to navigate this, but definitely like there's stages. Like, I think that's, what's so exciting about this podcast is like, if you're feeling stuck, this is a perfect place to come because you'll find out how to be more free. And then as you're more free, you'll find out how to, to connect with your subconscious. So you can find those experts, those people that know what you're looking for that you mm -hmm. resonate with, you know, that have your same values and stuff. And then that's kind of how you find your tribe, you know, like the people yeah. you resonate with and click with. Um, and knowing that everyone has a different path, that we're all doing the best that we can, and there's a right way for us to do it. And that kind of mm -hmm. comes back to what you're sharing as far as like the fun, like um, when when we don't know something, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed and feel like we have to do it the right way. And then over time, we realize like, oh, wait, there's, you know, you, for, and that's, I guess the thing is you at least need something like someone will tell you, oh, you got to do it like this. And then you try it like this. It's just like the schoolhouse. You know, you go to the internet, you're in, you're in the school. You're like, yeah. this is how it is. Yeah. You take this thing from YouTube and you go outside and you try it and you're like, wait, this didn't go anything like the, the person <laughs> said it was going to, what's going on here? And then you realize, oh, I could do this. I could do that. Well, then you go back to the schoolhouse. Let's see if there's another teacher I like, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I like this approach. I didn't know I could do this. Then you go out and try it like, oh, this feels better. But you know what? I also learned that I could do this and that. And then it's kind of like a painter. You know, you're starting to get different colors, yeah. different techniques and stuff. And all this comes together to where whatever subject is you're learning, you find your own way to express it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that's how I kind of see the... So much like writing. Okay, you might oh, love this yeah. metaphor. I, I have a little writer's group with just, um, I've been through many writer's groups over the years. Each one of my books was written in a different writer's group. And I have this little girl I used to drive to school. She's eight now. And she is writing like just, she's on fire. She just loves it. So it's just the two of us. She's eight. I'm 52. Yeah. We're having a blast. <laughs> so yeah. So she was like, we were talking about like writing styles. Cause she's like, this sounds too much like this. And I said, well, I was worried that I sounded like, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder when I wanted to sound like Stephen King, you know? And I said, here's the way I see it. Um, when you first start, it's like a mill tone. I said, you know, like you've got fabrics that are made in mills. And she's like, yeah, she knew about this. So I was like, okay, you've got these mills making all these different fabrics along this river. And they're all kind of polluting the river with their different dyes, um, making different fabrics in different colors. And I said, your um, 
your writing is picking up all these different colors, you know, here's your, this mill is JK Rowling. You love her. You know, you've read everything she's written. This, this mill is Stephen King. This mill is James Patterson, or, you know, you've got these authors that are like these mills and they are coloring your river. And I said, your job as a writer is to just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. And the more you write, the more mills you put out of business. And then pretty soon that river is just you. That's your writing style, that river. And you've kind of run it clean. But at the same time, they're all going to be a piece or a part yeah. of it. They've colored your writing in some way. Yeah. You need to write like what you read, you know? So um, it's like, you're always going to have that angst in the beginning of like, oh, it sounds too much like this and not enough like this. And I wish it sounded more like that. And it's like, you, the river's just kind of finding its flow, you know? Yeah. 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 That's a great metaphor. And I really, and that's exactly why it's so, it's a, it's an iterative process, you know, mm -hmm. from we start off where we're a blank slate, we take in ideas, we, find, we gravitate towards the things we like, mm -hmm. we internalize it. Now that's part of us. And we kind of channel ourselves through it. There's that, yeah. you know, depending on how comfortable or how tapped we are into the subconscious, mm -hmm. more of us can come through. And it's just an iterative process. Like the more we get used to doing this, like tapping into our subconscious, taking something new in, seeing what we like. Um, it gets to a point, like you were saying, like where that river is you plus all the people that influence you, you know, like standing yeah. up the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, a great way to look at it because then it's, it's not a com competition. It's not like us versus other writers. It's like we're all building mm -hmm. each other up. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Okay. Cool. Hey. hey. <laughs> Here we <Yeah>. are. <laughs> they, they got cheap. They got frugal with, uh, you know, the pandemic. Um, it used to be unlimited one-on-one, -on -one, but now you have to pay. Okay. Yeah. No worries. We'll figure it out. And I love... In a way, in a weird, twisted way, I love that this happened during our first one because there's so many people I run into who are like, oh, I'd love to do a podcast. And it's like, it's so easy, you know, just just do it. Just do it. You know, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. I just made one. <laughs> I should have looked this stuff up ahead of time. But because I didn't, it's a happy accident. And other people are going to see like, oh, that's how you do that. And <laughs> yeah. That might happen, and I guess I should look that up before I start the, the first podcast. <laughs> and that, oh my god, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, there. there's like three things right there. I, I okay. guess that's what I like is threads. There's always, always threads to follow. Um, on the one hand, I recently worked with a client on public speaking, mm -hmm. and um, that was like the moment, like, I, I had an unconscious, like, pop up. Um, I had them come up with a person that they know that's really good at public speaking maybe like a, a role model or someone they really like they had that then i had them sit in the crowd and just start kind of get an experience of what the person is doing you know from that angle and i asked them you know like would you like to have even more fun would you like to learn even more about this mm -hmm. and they said yeah and i said take a moment to like float in and become them and notice what they're doing when you're inside like this mm -hmm. and so then they kind of they felt like actually doing the things then I had them float back out, and I was like, now here's where it gets interesting. In a moment, but not yet, I'm going to ask you to imagine that that speaker makes a mistake. And just notice what happens when they make this mistake. And then they saw them make the mistake, and I was like, and what are you noticing? And they're like, oh, you know, like, he's 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 slowed down, and he just has this, like, little smirk, and he's just, he's just, he's still going. He's just, he keeps going. I'm like, that's right, you know, he's got this smirk, and he just keeps going. And then I was like, now here's where it gets even more fun, right? Because now you've learned that you're in the audience. You've seen what happens when a person makes a mistake, right? All you have to do is slow down. You can smirk like that if you want, but you <laughs> keep going, right? So now here's where it gets really interesting. Take a moment to float back in. And now I'd like you to experience a mistake from this perspective, knowing that you're teaching all these people in front of you that it's okay to make a mistake like this. And how do you feel knowing that you can teach people like this and that just blew their phobia out of the water yeah because, you know what i mean not only did they learn it was okay when someone else did it but when they went out there and they knew like, it was just so aligned with why they want to speak in public is kind of a lot of like this transparency authenticity right showing people that you can make mistakes uh encouraging people to just get out there and do it right that's a big part of their message so it was just really congruent when they messed up like that 
knowing that everyone's learning, oh, it's okay, I can still go out in public speak. And also, there was this element where he, he realized, like, the majority of the audience is more focused on them than any mistake that he's making. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And by him making a mistake, that helps them to get out of that, that fear of messing up and, like, really be even more engaged with what's going on. So there's just, like, a lot of learnings that they had. And it just, like, kind of blew me away because it was very intuitive. Like, I just got, like, that idea, like, oh, now if I have him, he should, you know, like, I'm going to guide him to see this person make a mistake. Um, whereas before, I was just going to do the first half. And that, I think that's when they got a big part of the transformation. Um, and I think that's our job, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's life. It goes back to play. Like, start off in the schoolhouse. We think things are going to go a certain way. We're attached to this perfect idea. Right. We're going in the playground like this, we get to show everyone, like, you can have fun, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. For sure. That whole thing of it's, it, is it supposed to look like this? What's it supposed to look like? Letting go of that is like, ugh. Yeah. So liberating. Yeah. Definitely. And even so going something. Back, oh, go ahead. I was say that, like, serendipitously, I feel like it landed, it ended on a good spot. Like, I feel like the last words I was saying, like, it's not a competition. We're building everyone up. We're building each other up, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it is helpful. It's so helpful to see other people make mistakes. I feel like much more at ease, um, even though I want them to succeed. Like, if I was watching someone uh, I really loved speak, you know, I want it to go really well for them. I want it to be a success. Um, but when they goof up, it's also weirdly empowering to us. Say if it's like a stand-up comedian or something, you know, it's like, okay, look, they they bounce back. You know, I know a number of people who've gotten booed off stage and it's like, you know, it, it's somehow empowering because, you know, like worst case scenario, look, they're still, they're still doing it. They still have a career. They're doing great. Yeah. They survived that. I'll survive it. You know, if that happens to me. Yeah. No, definitely. That. And that reminds me, uh, I know this might be like a, an aside, but it reminds me of Superman in the sense that for a period, they made him so super that he was unrelatable. Mm. And he just kind of was boring and no one liked him. They didn't know how to relate to him, you know? And so they had to introduce weaknesses like kryptonite and then explore weaknesses more like his family, vulnerable people that are close to him, you know, to, to really make him human again. Uh-huh it's interesting like when we and that's kind of the thing is like the more we try to be perfect the less human we are and the less yeah, related. i have another great example of that so my favorite youtubers are kara and nate they're a couple that just travels the world mm -hmm. and they noticed that um they were trying to get like these big endorsements and you know um work with these companies that do cruises and stuff like that and they thought that was their going to be their path to success and the views on those things went down on those videos whereas mm. when he crashed the drone that that went way up when he stubbed his toe that went way up you know they had far more views and it's not like people want to see them fail but i do believe that it's about being relatable you know, the people that are watching their, you know, them doing these big, um, glamorous uh, travel things. How many of us can relate to that? It's like, well, is that attainable? For, even though it's a, a belief and it's our own programming, we may believe that, well, I'm never going to get to do that. But, um, you know, him crashing the drone makes him much more human. It's like, yeah, I can see myself doing that, you know? Yeah. 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 That, and this is, I mean, I'm new to storytelling. Like I, I I'm new to a more polished version, whereas before it was just, I slapped some stuff together. I had a way of telling it was just very much how I didn't know formal training, right? Mm -hmm. But as I've been sitting with the hero's journey for a while, I didn't realize that it, I didn't make the connection between that and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And every good story has that moment, like that defining moment, you know? If, and I feel like people have talked about this. There's a character, it's kind of like, like superman where like they don't have a backstory they're they're perfect they just like overcome every like obstacle with ease mm -hmm. and it's just like it's not believable right no one can really relate with it and it gets like four stars five stars and all, all the good stories have that like when that's what's kind of interesting this came up earlier is often so with the hero's journey i feel like there's two journeys there's like the external 
where there's like this external obstacle, but then there's the internal battle mm -hmm. and the real battle is always the internal one. Like the yeah. dragon is never the enemy. It's the perception. Yeah. 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 That's, that's being projected onto the dragon, you know, which comes back from that internal, like you know, whatever's holding them back. Um, but that's, yeah, I feel like that kind of goes into the mistake or into making mistakes in the sense, like there's the part of the person that wants to have fun and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And there's the part of them that doesn't want to make a mistake. And so even exploring this is the hero's journey. Like what's it going to look like when they come together in a new way, when there's that mm -hmm. integration mm -hmm. where you can make mistakes and have fun and get to a point where you're not making those mistakes any longer you know, kind of thing. I don't know. I uh, no, I totally relate to the hero's journey. I mean, being uh, a writer, uh, and I use that template for two of my three novels. So um, yeah, and then the the second one, I just let it just let it flow. And then the fourth, a sequel to the first, uh, my professor um, that I reconnected with, who I wrote, like he helped me with my first draft of my original book, he um, got me away from the hero's journey. It really was liberating. I needed to like cut ties with it, but it is very satisfying. It exists in every um, culture in the world. And we see ourselves as the hero when we're watching the hero's journey, like in Star Wars or, you know, whatever, any Disney movie pretty much that's we're relating to that. And definitely both the internal and the external for sure. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting. And I can't not see it anywhere. And it just reminds me of the process from before, like going from order into chaos, tapping into subconscious resources, bringing those to bear on the obstacle, overcoming it. But now you have this new thing that you went inside to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just listening to this podcast is going to be a hero's journey like that because, you know, like you're going to come here. Everyone's always facing something. Yeah. We're human. And something's going to come up and it's going to cause you to go inside, you know, you're going to, and when you're in there unconsciously, you're going to get this new tool that you didn't know was in there. When you make that connection from something that we share, mm -hmm. so now you've got this tool and you think, Oh, I can use it on this obstacle and get here. And that moment, when you come back, you've just come back with a new tool that you didn't know you had in you this whole time. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's changed you. It's helped you evolve. Yeah. Great. Ideally, and us too. I mean, for sure. People have while listening. I'm kind of curious. So, because there's a part of me, there's, I mean, there's like 12 steps to the hero's journey. Some have like 15. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's kind of cumbersome. There's like a lot of steps. And I was trying to distill it to the essence. When you, your professor helped guide you away from the hero's journey, what was that like? Did you still have like a framework that you used or? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a good thing you know it's uh it's the metaphor would be clinging to the side of the pool that's the one that I use a lot it's like why you try to hang on to the side of the pool when you know you want to learn to swim <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah letting go of that was uh again very liberating um I needed to trust myself you know it's like asking yourself, well, what would be fun now? It's like you saying to your client, you know, oh, you, you know what? This is, this is going to be really fun. This is going to be really fun. It's basically telling yourself, you're telling yourself the story you're writing, you know? And so I think that we have a lot better intuition when it comes to uh, that, that journey that we're writing out than we think we do, you know? Sure. Yeah. 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 And so what, because I'm going to be bored if my, if my character, if my protagonist is just everything just going their way all the time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yawn, you know, yeah. they need to face some adversity and grow and evolve. That's what we all want for ourselves. That's what we want for the characters we're watching. Um, we need to see them grow. Yeah. Cause it gives us hope, right? Yes. And it comes back to the relatable factor. Uh, with so I'm kind of curious with the framework. Was it like very intuitive? How were you able to tap into your subconscious in this way to write that story? That's a good question. I would have to. I think I would have to look back at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you noticing? Well, 
what I'm noticing right now is that um, I kind of shut that all away, like put it in a box in my head because last fall I was writing the sequel to the first book and um, school was over and my professor decided he was invested enough in the process and the story that he wanted to keep meeting with me every week for free, which was very cool because I had a great beta reader. It was my writing, my old writing professor from years ago, from 2008. So, um, and here he was, you know, on board for the sequel. Yeah. But I was also taking a day trading course, swing trading course. I was getting ready to. I, I wanted to. It was a goal and I was making it happen. I, I was determined to make it happen. I wanted that skill. And he was talking to me conversationally and said, you know, oh, it's like somebody saying they're going to be a day trader and, and they're going to be all successful and everything. Yeah, like that's going to happen. So he was like mocking me, like right to my face. And I was kind of appalled and really disappointed in him. And so I took a week to think about it. And I thought, well, I don't want to work with this person anymore because they've gotten snarky and feel the need to put me down and like keep me in my place or something, you know? So I just told him, yeah, you were making fun of me. That's who you were talking about. And we both know it. And I don't want to work together anymore. And I think he was totally shocked. Did, he, so did he consciously know that you were looking into day trading? Yeah, yeah, I told him. Hmm. When he made those remarks, he knew that I was doing this. And so he was like, you know, saying, oh, it's like when someone does this. But we both knew he was talking about me because I had just told him I was going to do this. And what? I did go on and do it. And I told him when I say that I'm going to do something like I, I wouldn't have said it to you had I not meant it. And so I did end up taking the training, you know, um, but yeah, we're no longer friends. And oh. I, he was someone that I looked up to, but not after that. <laughs> sure, sure. I guess I'm, I'm curious about two things. Like number one, um, it reminds me of a story. I, I don't know. This was like years ago. And I know the intention's kind of different, but um, there was a person that had like really big dreams and they were kind of struggling to get them done. And I mean, I, I wouldn't go this route, but like she saw like a therapist and the therapist kind of did the similar thing. Kind of mm -hmm. was like, you're never going to achieve this. I mean, it wasn't wow. like a different session, but it was like a couple in and it was, it, I guess it was to illustrate like provocative therapy, but like, because he said that to her, she had such intense conviction to to prove him wrong that like 10 years later she like wrote back and was like yeah i've succeeded i've done this i've done that and done this and he's like awesome i'm glad the therapy worked and you didn't have to pay me to you know like yeah. basically he was setting her free to like to do yeah. that i don't know if yeah. he saw something like knew that's what was the reaction she was gonna have or uh -huh. what if he was just taking a gamble but it is interesting that like you know that kind of like sparked the fire gave her that focus to kind of to like that kind of defined the obstacle sure. for her to like overcome to be that hyper successful and not even have to pay for therapy around okay. it you know yeah but it's i'm not saying it's the same thing it's just kind of interesting how it is interesting he would have had to pinpoint that she was the type of person that would would accept that reverse psychology and say oh yeah i'll show you and not the type of person that'd be like, oh, even my therapist thinks I can't do it. I must be crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. he saw something in her. He wouldn't have tried that tact, but um, controversial for sure. I mean, oh, for, for me, sure. when someone, you know, when I tell someone like I'm, I have this goal and I'm going to do this. And if they, they tell me like, if they make fun of it or they think it's ridiculous, it's like, well, that person's not in my little circle now <laughs> because I don't surround myself with people that tell me I can't do things. I don't want to hear it, you know? I'm curious. I, I guess the one part, what was he comparing it to? Because it used you were saying that it's like a person that does this. What what's like that? Like what was he That's a good question. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. It's like all I had to hear was like him mocking me and telling me like basically I couldn't do it in code, you know, and uh that he didn't believe in me which I knew he believed in me and as a writer because here he was meeting with me for free at, long after school was over and I graduated. Yeah. yeah. But I think probably it was like a fear, like, Oh, this person's going to um, move beyond me. I'm the teacher. And he was still like kind of clinging to that. I don't know. But um, I did, I did move on. 
and I had to, you know, I mean, this happens in life with, with friendships, which is what it was really at that point. Um, we, we move on if, if, if it's not feeling good or feeling right, hopefully. No, definitely. I agree. And like, the thing is like, I only have my limited perceptions and assumptions. I mean, yeah. the one thing without like the full context and the experience <clears throat> what where my mind kind of went first was maybe he saw how good of a writer you are and was like trying to keep you on that track in what you know in the not best way or the un, in be. a unhealthy way you know Could be. Um, there was always a, a funny though and i feel like self-conscious saying this but i need to like set that aside and just say it like there was i think maybe a subconscious competition there too because he would joke like, oh, the teacher's coming to the student because when he finally wrote his first novel, um, he came to me and asked me how I self-published. And I'm always more than happy to tell people how to self-publish. God, yes, get it out there. Um, and I didn't think anything less of him coming to me for that. You know, I'm just happy to help. Um, but I think he felt a little, he always felt a little uncomfortable with like, you know, I'm the teacher and you're the student kind of thing. And and where I was in my journey, whereas he didn't have time because he was teaching, he didn't have as much time to write and that kind of thing. And we've all been all over the board with that as far as writing goes, you know, whether you have time for it and how committed you are and all of that. Sure. So I feel like there might have been a little, you know, yeah, there's some friction there. <laughs> that's, that's what I think is so interesting about everything. Because like um, this... And the more that like you really pay attention to what a person says the more you kind of see what's going on internally you mm -hmm. know and just by making that comment like there was a part of him that even if he was making light of it and making a joke of it there was a little tinge that was like yeah you know, that like was like oh i'm the teacher kind of thing dynamic yeah yeah and i i think that what where i kind of went i thought it was really important to kind of share i mean i guess this is just a personal philosophy but i believe we can learn when we open up the door and allow us all to be simultaneously teachers and students. Yes. You can learn Ageless. from everyone and you can be surprised at what you can learn from everyone. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, kids, little kids, like, first of all, you know, of course I, I believe in reincarnation. So a little kid is not a little kid, you know, they are for the moment, but um, I, and maybe that's why I have a really good rapport with kids is because I just see them as equals so yeah. like a little girl in this writer's group, you know, she's, you know, we're just, we're just writers together. We're just talking writer stuff. Like, it's not like one person is ahead of the other, or anything like that. And I love that. And I love having that with anybody of any age. I just love that whole age thing disappearing because it's an illusion anyway, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, for sure. And that's what I was thinking about um, as far as that goes, like earlier when you were mentioning that she was eight and you're 52, I think you said. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking like, wow, like, because she's a reminder of what it can be like to get back to that state. And it's not that that's gone. Like that's, that childlike nature is always in us. It's the subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. So like, not only is she a reminder to like get back there, but then also you can share with her your wisdom so that she can like advance quicker than if she didn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. and it's this really cool co-creation where it's so much more than like kind of what you're saying it's so much more than like some weird real like di power dynamic hierarchy yeah relationship you know yeah and so yeah very cool cool is there anything else that you want people to know that you are about um that's a good question i mean i feel like it will come through in our discussions in okay yeah yeah you're right absolutely um, and it's funny because I think like, okay, I assume, you know, well, people know who I am because I was doing the podcast, but this could be the first episode somebody's tuned into. It's going to happen, you know? So uh, if this is the first time you've heard this podcast, um, I am an aspiring raw vegan. <laughs> uh, I love juicing, fasting. Uh, I'm an animal communicator and um, I write. I, I love travel. I love being an ant more than anything in the world. I love being an ant. Um, I don't have kids of my own. Um, and that's, it's perfect for me. I love neuroscience. Um, anything to do with the subconscious mind also. Um, just like fascinating information about our minds and how they work. Um, 
I love empowering people and just seeing people evolve. Um, I am by today's standards, ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was six and I tend to see that as a super superpower. Um, but I also run into challenges, of course, because this isn't really our time, our time, um, where we really thrived was when we were Neanderthals or Cro-Magnon men, where we were uh, hunters and gatherers and not farmers. I'm still doing that in my own way, I guess. Um, I love anything to do with dreams, dream work, hypnotic dream work. I absolutely love that work. Um, I'm a dog mom. I'm in a relationship. Um, yeah. So just bring people up to speed, I guess. <laughs> For sure. And you're a, a cat dad. Yeah, I was going to say that maybe there are some things I should share. <laughs> dad and a rabbit dad, yeah. But the surprise, the suspense, right? Uh, no, mm -hmm. um, I, at the roots, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Um, I really just love helping people just overcome whatever. And I think for a long time, I kind of struggled with like niching down. Uh-huh. Um, Lately, I focused specifically on helping people overcome pot addiction um, and indirectly like smoking uh -huh. um, because I, I don't know, I, what's really important to me is helping people get out of like habits that keep them from fulfilling their full potential. Love it. This is my big fear, not realizing my full potential. Yeah, yeah. That's my greatest fear. Well, you're in luck. Because <laughs> so I love that. Yeah, you're helping people um, overcome the habits that keep them from fulfilling their full potential. Yeah, um, and I I know like a lot of people. The more I've been researching marijuana use in general, I would say like eighty percent of people feel stuck, and when it gets to a habit, it it it's like okay, I want to be creative, I want to be productive, I want to do this thing. But mm -hmm. first, let me smoke. And then they smoke, and then they mm -hmm. never make it to that thing. Okay. This becomes the habit. This becomes the routine. And then they wind up not doing that thing. Or they'll, like, it's kind of haphazard. I know earlier you were talking about, like, with the writing, like, the dedication. It, they need, like, the pot to stay dedicated. Mm -hmm. and so, But it's also a crapshoot. Like, if I smoke, I don't know if I'm still going to do the thing. Mm -hmm. I need to even start the thing. So it just winds up becoming an impediment and just just leads to it's it also it tends to lead to other things because you're used to this like dopamine cycle. Sure. It, you know, you're getting this experience, then it's easy to surf the internet and just go down social media loops and stuff. But uh yeah, just anything that can help people be free. I personally am specializing in addiction moving forward. Um you know what you're also doing like on a like a grander scale. It just struck me like, I feel like the things that we struggle with the most are the things that we, back to reincarnation, set out to master this lifetime. And so you're totally helping people with their, their theme in this lifetime, you know, their big yeah, yeah. obstacles that they created for themselves. You're helping them overcome these things so that no, they, definitely. yeah, go to, you know, they accomplish what they set out to accomplish in this lifetime before they were born. Definitely. I mean, that's just me, but. And I think that's, a, I mean, that's a really good point as far as like, who's drawn to whom kind of going back to like what you were talking about with the, the mills and the uh -huh. and stuff. Like not only are we gravit do we gravitate towards those people that inspire us, but we also gravitate towards certain people that are meant to help us do these things in this lifetime, you know? Um, and honestly, I guess, yeah, this is, I guess, the most important. Like, this is my focus moving forward. Um, I personally have had, a, I've experienced addiction. I've overcome a lot of things. Who hasn't? Yeah, yeah. Is there anybody that doesn't experience addiction in this lifetime? Um, And I, that's, I don't know. I don't know. And I guess Wait, that kind of comes down to, I'm sure there's people that haven't. Well, define addiction. You know what I mean? if that makes sense like there can be people that are addicted to healthy habits and then it's like is it what's the connotation is addiction does it have to be like unhealthy addict uh, like an unhealthy obsession can a healthy obsession with something be an addiction so mm -hmm. it does get semantic but this is yeah like more specifically like substance abuse if that makes mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. um 
And I just, I know where my life was. I knew what I could achieve. That was a big part of the, that kept me in the cycle was knowing what I could be and the depression that came from missing the mark is what kept me in the cycle. So I don't know. I mean, like, that's kind of, this is my way of contributing back to like that tide that raises all ships is, mm -hmm. uh, if I help one person, then they help someone else. Yeah. They help someone. And then you never know how far a change can go. You know, can I and ask like how long you've been free of the addiction. Depends on the addiction. Um, oh, okay. yeah. Like, I mean, I've been, I think I just did this. I made a post about it. I've been clean. I think 15 years now wow. from like hard stuff like i mean just for sake yeah i i have to embrace it so yeah. clean from heroin cocaine and crack uh the first two for 16 years i've been free from crack for 15 uh i've been free from alcohol for eight i've been free from pot for one year um and i'm quitting coffee tomorrow bravo my last cup holy cow wow um, and then there's other things too, but um, coming back to the pot, the reason I decided to focus on it is the same with coffee. The reason I'm putting coffee and I'm focusing on pot for helping people is with like the hard stuff. It's kind of obvious. It's kind of like, man, I really got to get my life around. I got to really change some stuff. But with pot and caffeine, it's been a lot more subtle. It's been a lot harder to quit because there's so much like social reinforcement and like, it's okay. It's okay. Oh yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not as bad. You could be, it could be so much worse. It could be so much worse. And so you're kind of like, I personally found myself kind of lulled in this state of like, Oh yeah, no, it's not so bad. I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm yeah. still missing the mark. Yeah. And so I'm just here to provide a different message. And it doesn't mean that my message is right. It's just, if you, if you resonate with what I'm sharing, you want to be free from pot by all means, uh, I can help you make it easy. Like, you know, um, and smoking too, for sure. Well, I, I find it a much more desirable, um, coach or guide or mentor, you know, if they have been through some serious stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to ask you a question about that in just a second, but that's kind of what clicked is when you have firsthand experience, you, I, I've been through all the pitfalls. I've, I've been through all the stories I've told myself, you know what I mean? I, I have tried so many different things and I, I know not only like the journey, like what it feels like, kind of like that the depression cycle that keeps you looped in it and stuff, all that kind of stuff. But I also know like tips and tricks that helped me that have helped other people. And it's kind of like, you know what I guess it's like? It's like, not only do I have the research, so I have the schoolhouse, but I've been in the playground and passed that. So mm -hmm. it's like, I've got all the research that works and then all of the life experience and bring it together. So no, no matter who you are, where you are, something is going to work for you. Something's going to apply to your situation. And so, yeah. And also not only that, like, like, I think a big piece is the lack of judgment. Like since I've been there, I'm not, judging you <laughs> like yes no worries if it's a person that doesn't understand it or hasn't been there they might be like well this they don't understand it and that's where judgment comes from is just not understanding something that's yeah. does that make sense yeah and i felt like i said to gabe one time so my partner is a therapist and i said to him um i can't remember what we were talking about i was like i would much rather go to a therapist who had been to jail than one that hasn't sure <laughs> But I'm like, what does that say about me? But <laughs> yeah. I want them, I want to know they know what they're talking about. I won't, don't want them to have lived in an ivory tower and not gotten their hands dirty. Right. Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And I, and that's, I mean, I'm not trying to bash any professions or stuff. And, but I do, I have noticed, right. Cause it's like the ivory tower kind of symbolizes like idealism and righteousness and like it's got to be this way but the more right. experience you have and well the more clients you work with also you know i mean like it might start off that way but right like the more experiences you have with yourself and other people the more you refine that to where you realize there is no right way it's like what's the client's way what's what's this here in front of me you know kind yeah. of thing and having that experience uh, um yeah it's more it's i think that's what a big piece is is like that acceptance and understanding and knowing like dude I, I know i know what you're going through 
Like you're not alone, you know? And not only, not only have I had your experience, I've reached out to many people just to see what other people's experiences have been. And it's mm-hmm. so similar. Like we've all had such a similar experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I might not know exactly how you're experiencing this, but I have a really good idea and just know. There's and no you came out the other side, knowing that right. that person that's mentoring you or guiding you has came, made it through it. It's huge. That's priceless. Right. Yeah. And then it reminds it, there's, I won't give up. on You know what I mean? Like I've, I've run into therapists and teachers that like they give up on their clients or their students. And like, I, I don't know what to do. I just, I give up. And it's like, like, like my soul feels crushed. Like oh my gosh. I'm saying that I'm like, you got to refer them out, man. You got to, yeah. you got to just, you got to quit, quit it. You got to quit teaching or move on or something or like reinvigorate that spirit. Cause like, you can't just give up on the people that are like kind of dependent on you in this moment. Yeah. You know? Or animal. But I almost didn't continue um, working with missing animals because the first two cases I worked with um, the humans gave up their search right. and it's like, Oh my God, I'm telling him that you're going to be out there with food and his brother and looking for him and calling him. And he, you didn't even go like, I can't, I can't lie to your animal. I can't do this. Yeah. 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 I can totally relate. Yeah. I had to get past that. I'm curious. Um, how, I guess like where my mind went, I was curious when, cause I know this is important. I know it's important for you to find lost animals. I know that you get a lot of, a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like really rewarding. Would that be fair to say fulfilling? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, how would it feel like letting them know, like before we embark on this journey together, I'm going to be communicating with your animal. I'm going to make agreements with it. You know, like you're going to come and like deliver food. You're coming to find it and stuff. The thing is ethically, I, I can't say those things if you don't follow through. So to, That's a great to continue idea. this journey, we have to make this agreement offhand that if I'm going to communicate and this becomes part of the agreement that you have to follow through. Yeah. 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 Of course. That's a really great idea. A great suggestion because I say these things to the animals yesterday. I said to a cat, okay, Benny, like, I need an actual, yes, uh, I need you to commit because if I'm going to, I hardly ever have the opportunity to drive out to search on foot for an animal with the dousing rods. Usually it's all um, remote uh, and I'm working through their picture and their eyes. So I actually got to go to the place, but before I left, I was like, I need to make sure like you are going to be on board. Like once I get there, we're working together still, you know, and you'll, you know, I didn't get to see him, but I was able to pinpoint again where he was. And it was very powerful for me. I think even more for me than probably for him and his family, because I got to experience the dousing rods in an open space, um, locating. Yeah. Yeah. It's hugely empowering. Yeah. It was a great day. Definitely. Yeah. We're going to run out of time here any minute. Um, would you like to continue? Uh, and we'll just boot up again. Um, before we wrap up, I was just going to ask, um, when you consider kind of having that collaborative spirit with both sides with the animal and the the human, what do you notice that's different? Knowing that you can do that. Well, I feel like all the chips are on the table then. Um, I can't imagine walking away even then if somebody doesn't hold up their end of the deal, it's just uh, really tough. But I have learned, um, that, when things don't go right, um, the animals say a good example is Luna um, in New Mexico. She ended up with another family and it happens sometimes. Oh. And I have to look at the bigger picture and listen to what they have to say about that, that, um, you know, yeah. there's a lot that has to do with soul contracts and that their time with this person was over and they're still going to get lessons from that. And their time with a new person is beginning and there, there are lessons and they have a soul contract with that person also. So no matter how it goes, they always have good explanations for why it had to go that way and what they were teaching that person, whether it's surrender or trust, or, um, if they're mirroring a behavior that they were helping them with Yeah, yeah. and they'll return to them if they haven't finished their lessons. So, yeah. And I think that's a great place to loop coming back to the subconscious yeah the the more that you can be in tune with the subconscious like this 
the more you can let it play out as it's supposed to instead of how we think it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Which is a lesson for making mistakes, right? Yeah. Like letting go of that, having fun, letting it be, and knowing that it's fulfilling something bigger that you might not notice yet consciously. Yeah, yeah but you will later on, like so often. You can see it's 2020. Why it had to go the way it had to go. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. I'm a huge believer in that. For sure. I mean, the older you get, that you just see so many examples. You're like, there are no coincidences. There are no accidents. Sure. This is all by design yeah yeah awesome all right yeah we do have, we have a minute left um okay <laughs> what uh for, as far as the wrap-up i'm so i'm new well would you mind teaching me what it looks like when we wrap up a podcast <laughs> i just always thank people for showing up here that i know you could have done a lot of things with this time and instead you chose to be here with me with us and uh i really appreciate that and um I always say carpe diem. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. No, yeah, I agree. Thank you. Thank you for- Would you like to add to that, though? You, I, we are now co-hosts. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I, I feel the same sentiments. You know, thank you. Same thing. Like, you're going to have spent your time anyway. Attention's important. Time's important. I really uh, am excited for you for sitting in, getting what whatever you might have needed from this. Yes. Uh, I appreciate that, you've ch- that you chose us yes. and carpe diem. Yeah. Seeds were planted today. Right. Seeds right. were planted. We know this for you, for me, for anybody listening. I love that. 